Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Chuchayev. Chuchayev. It's not Chuchayev, it's Chuchayev or Chuchayev. What do we land on? Chuchayev. We got to make this easier because one day we need Evan to say it. And you know how Evan gets nervous when he has to pronounce things and, and names that he's not used to. The poor guy is going to freeze up. And then that's a lot of editing for me. So we need, while you and I are here, we got to square this away. Kirill. Kirill the thrill is what we're going <laughs> to land on. <laughs> Let's just call him Chooch and be done with it. Yeah, no kidding. I think uh, I've I've heard on the calls Chuchayev and Chuchayev. But Tuchayev seems to roll better, so that's what we're going to roll with. According to one of the many Russian YouTube videos I watched right before we started recording. None of which related to hockey, mind you. No, yeah. (laughs) Tuchayev seemed to be the most commonly used, and they probably know that better than we do. So I'm going with Tuchayev until someone tells me otherwise. And even if someone corrects me, I can't be bothered to correct it at this point. There's um, there's going to be a contingent, and I've seen it already a little bit, of Minnesota Wild fans who are going to be annoyed at the Red Wings fans in jest calling Tuchayev uh, Kirill the Thrill. And you know what? I would understand it if they didn't spend so many cringe years trying to co-opt the hockey town name before they finally gave up and made it the state of hockey or whatever they call it. And like, look, Minnesota's awesome for hockey. Some of the best high school hockey in America – they really do like their hockey, their team living in NHL purgatory for a long time, notwithstanding. But all those years they tried to steal hockey town as a label. And it's like, you are an expansion team that came like 80 years, 75 years after the Red Wings. You can't do that. Our curl sign. Theirs isn't. We win. <laughs> By God, he's right. <laughs> and they don't uh, technically have a Kirill right now. I don't. Uh, I don't quite know what the rule of uh, transitive properties is, but uh, if our Kirill is signed at the end of the off season and theirs isn't, our Kirill just absorbs the talent of the other Kirill to make one mega Kirill to thrill. Maybe it's a slow process that might explain the rookie tournament. Yeah, yeah, it's just like slowly seeping away into the Detroit Kirill. Anyhow, just you and I again, Brad. Uh, the first words you said to me today were, I hate you so much, so I'm glad Evan's no longer here as that buffer. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. You can't argue me on that one. You know I was right and justified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you did take two hours to respond to a text today, and so my 30... 30- you text me <laughs> in the middle of my game, and then an hour later, text me again wondering why I wasn't answering when you could have hopped on YouTube and physically saw what I was up to. <laughs> Why to see you ring one off the post? Listen, man, it's been a rough day, okay? <laughs> Welcome to the Wing Wheel Podcast. If you're wondering if the off season's over, certainly it's not, as you've noticed by now. I'm Ryan Hanna. Yeah, our off season might not be over, but mine is, and very sore. I'm Brad Crisco. Uh, Evan is away today. He is lobbying the uh, president or prime minister of some medium-sized government to do something for his. I don't know. Who knows? It's been a while since we've had a bit like that for Evan. He's trying to he's trying to get his hot tub pad sponsored. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> oh, subsidized, I guess, would be the word here. Well, oh, legal terms. Uh, on today's Wing Wheel podcast, we actually do have uh, some notable takeaways from the NHL Prospect Tournament. Uh, we also have the last of the Red Wings RFAs to be signed. Uh, 
well, that has been announced. It came out shortly after last episode, as is tradition. And uh, we're going to talk about what the roster is going to look like at a camp specifically. Can Lucas Raymond do what we think is going to be really hard to do for a Red Wings rookie this year? And then we'll get into overtime. I'm sure Brad's going to yell at me quite a bit more today. Um, yeah. But before all that, let's talk about the Jamie Daniels Foundation, which is uh, an organization we are very, very proud to uh, partner with. The more we talk about substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support to those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative, and it was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer, Ken Daniels, and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels Goldman. The foundation strives to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. So before we jump into uh, the news today, um, I have to say, I don't know what happened with um, the setup of this room with Evan gone. We just shift the chairs a little bit. And uh, (laughs) I was editing the video after the last episode and I was like, I can see a lot of our knees. It's making me uncomfortable. I don't know why. It's just, I, I don't like seeing your knees. And someone commented, they're like, hey, the camera angle is fine, but what on God's green earth is wrong with Brad's left knee? And I was like, okay, there's too much leg and knee action going on here. Someone picked that up on the video. Like, okay, it there's a lot very wrong with it, but the fact that I picked it up on video <laughs> makes me think it's a lot worse than it actually is. Anyways, uh, so for the first time since uh, we got this table from RD Woodworking, rdwoodworking.ca, go check it out. Um since we like when we got it initially went before the pandemic we had the lights on but we haven't done it really since we've been back in the studio but i turned the lights on today to hopefully distract away from our your cobbly knees or whatever is wrong with it i wore pants today man I, uh, to be fair i wore black pants with your meathead dog bad idea that's a rookie mistake and i had dogs for like 15 years so i knew better but at least you know dog hair versus my wonky knee it's probably a better we have alternative pun intended. We have doggy bags that we give away to anyone who visits our house and it's um, lint rollers because of Abby. Yeah, that's a good call. All right. Um, Giovanni Smith has been signed. That is sorted. That is the last of the Red Wings RFAs. There is no one left. It's on the Detroit Red Wings, at least. I don't know how crazy you want to get. Uh, that is a restrictive free agent that's left to be signed. So the final piece of work for Steve Eisenman to wrap up a two year deal. $750,000 per year cap hit. He's an RFA upon expiry. And I guess most notably for Giovanni Smith, he is, it is a one way contract. So he is earning that money, whether or not he's in Grand Rapids or Detroit. And it's important to note that uh, he's not waiver exempt anymore. He is now, he would have to clear waivers anytime he needs to be sent down to Grand Rapids. So that is a very, very important note. Um, for Giovanni Smith fans, which is every Red Wings fan, because we all love Giovanni Smith, um, that's something to keep an eye out for. Yes. Simple contract, though. I know some people were pretty concerned about it. They they were saying, you know, why is Giovanni Smith not done? Is he holding out? And it's like, no, there's still another month until the offseason's over. Also, and this isn't a slight on Giovanni Smith, but when you were looking at the other RFAs that had to be done, Bertuzzi, Verona, Hronik, etc., um, Giovanni Smith was... I mean, look at the cap hit. It's minimum 750000 I don't want to sit here and say, oh, amazing deal by Eisenman because the, if Eisenman overpaid him, it would still be a difference of what, like $100,000 a year? Yeah. So it's it's a standard contract. He came in I, He came in low. He came in as low as you, as you can come. So that's 
yeah, I mean, a good deal, but it's not really going to move the needle. The most important thing here is that Giovanni Smith remains a Red Wing for two more years. Yeah, I, God knows how long these negotiations actually took if they even started prior to like a week ago. Yeah. If there were any sticking points, like what was it, the second year or the one way? Like <laughs> he signed for league minimum, so money wasn't an issue here. Yeah. Giovanni Smith is a Red Wing. They, the Detroit did bring in a good amount of talent to fill out their bottom six in a way where it's not like, yeah, that's Franz Nielsen or like, yeah, that's Darren Helm or whatever, where it's like, you know, the team's not going to send these guys down, uh, but they are now eating up a spot. That's not quite the makeup of the Red Wings anymore. You have guys um, like Mitchell or yeah, Mitchell Stevens, who deserves a roster spot by all rights. You have guys like Carter Rowney, where depending on how he's come back from injury is going to push for a roster spot. Like Sam Gagne is going to be in the mix there in terms of who's not going to be in the lineup each night. Does Giovanni Smith have a permanent spot on the Red Wings this year? Yes. Uh, doesn't mean he's going to be in the lineup nightly, uh, though, because his play will dictate that, right? Yeah. Um, he's he's a fine fourth liner. I like him as a fourth liner because he breaks the mold of what the Red Wings traditional fourth liner is in the sense that, yeah, he brings all the grit and sandpaper that Blashill covets, but he also has skill. He can put the puck in the net. He was a prolific scorer and junior, so this isn't something he's incapable of. It's not going to be a strength at the NHL level. If he gets 10 goals a year, I think that's phenomenal for him, but it's there when the opportunity presents itself. Um. Yeah, I I mean he's he's a replaceable player, but he's younger, so he can come up in the system and you never know. It's the old saying, I can't wait for the day the teams start playing young players who might be bad instead of old players who are bad and Giovanni Smith is still in the might be bad category, which is great because there's also might be bad also means hey, he might be good. Yeah. Um I'm pretty certain I know what he is at this juncture in his career, which is, you know, an average fourth liner which is fine. Average fourth liners are cheap and you still need to put someone on the fourth line. Perfect. Smith can fill that role. He can beat the wheels off a guy when needed. He can put the puck in the net when he gets it in the home plate area in the offensive zone. He's not going to be the guy to get the puck to that area a lot. That's not his strength. But when it's there, hey, he's not going to dare and helmet up. And uh, yeah, not anything to get super rattled or super excited about, but good. Um, Rational take. I'll do the emotional one. I'm thrilled because I want to see Giovanni Smith in when they play Jamie Benn next. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm still... I want Witkowski in that game. I don't care that he wasn't there last year. I want Witkowski in. I want them to, you know, borrow Tom Wilson for a night. I want them to pay Jordy Ben a ton of money to beat up his... Like, whatever it is. Um, And the Red Wings know this. You know, we were talking to Ken. I don't know if this was on the episode or after, but... The whole Jamie Ben thing just doesn't sit right with anyone who's seen it. And, you know, seeing um, seeing Larkin's long road to recovery, we don't know if he'll be ready to start the season. Like, he's still taking it easy. Um, there might be a bell to be answered here. That's not Eisman's Red Wings. That's not Blashill's Red Wings, of course. The Red Wings are far removed, a decade plus removed from a team that fights a lot. But that one pissed a lot of people off for good reason. I want to see the scene from Goon. Uh, it might have to be the bench, not the penalty box. Um, instead of Doug Gladys, Giovanni Smith, where the play is going on behind him and he just stands in front of Jamie Ben on the bench and just waits for him. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, yeah. But no, back to Giovanni Smith. Um, a few years ago, I had said, like, w- people were watching Giovanni Smith pretty intently. And, 
you know, no, no one's expectations were ever out of line. Like, I don't think people were ever at the point where they're like, first, second line, Giovanni Smith, or like, good third liner. People were realistic about what Giovanni Smith's NHL caliber would be if he made it. But there came a point where I was like, he can't keep up with the play, like, speed-wise. And then it was literally over one offseason and then one year in Grand Rapids, how much he improved his skating. And we saw it last season. It's like, yeah, that's he can keep up at the NHL level. Is he the fastest guy in the world? No, but he he has improved his positioning and his skating to the point where he is no longer a liability really in that facet of his of his game. Yeah, his skating went from um, absolutely unacceptable in the NHL to just below average at the NHL pace, which, hey, below average in the NHL describes, well, half the NHL. Yeah. Because that's how averages work. And another thing to note while we're talking about fourth liners it's been so long since the Red Wings have had four good lines and they don't have four good lines now. So I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. <laughs> We're getting there though. But what Brad was saying earlier can come off as overtly negative. And I really, and I'm not just covering for Brad's ass here. Anyone who knows me knows I don't do that. I actually actively throw them under the bus. It's a hobby of mine. Um, but in all seriousness, like what Brad was saying isn't a negative thing. Like a fourth liner, a good fourth liner or a competent fourth liner is not what the Red Wings have had. You know, alluding back to what I said at the start of the episode, they've had a lot of guys who are below replacement level, which means you grab any slappy from the AHL to borrow a term from Brad here, and they'd probably do better. Giovanni Smith in the fourth line means your fourth line is competent. And Giovanni Smith playing with uh, Sam Gagne, a Michael Rasmussen, a Mitchell Stevens, a Carter Rowney, does that, you know, spark joy? No, not necessarily. But that, does that make you groan every time they step on the ice? No, it's it's like that's what a fourth line realistically should be unless you're the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, honestly, that's my biggest excitement. The thing I'm most excited for this season is I don't I'm not going to have that eye roll every time the Glenn Denning and Helm jump over the boards because a there's I don't care about their development. B, I know bad things are about to happen unless Adam Ernie pulls one out of his ass for them. And uh, yeah, because now that fourth line is going to primarily be what Mitchell Stevens, Giovanni Smith and anybody. And, and it's fine. I am very curious to watch Giovanni Smith and Mitchell Stevens this year. So I'm going to be excited when they jump over the boards. Like, oh, what have we here? Who knows? Maybe halfway through the season, we're sitting here going, these guys suck. Let's try something else. But until we get to that point, it sparks joy. You know what? For me, last season, it, it wasn't Glenn Denning or Helm. I never really got to that point. There was, I think the only times I groaned with Helm was the was when he went on a breakaway. I was like, ah, we know how this ends. Uh, and it wasn't Glenn Denning. I've always, I always appreciated both those guys. For me, it was the Franz Nielsen. And he, it was, his drop-off was precipitous. Like, it, it came hard and fast. He had about a year and a half, I think maybe two seasons, two seasons, if I remember correctly, of decent with the Red Wings. And then after that, might not even have been that much. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's the groan of here comes the below replacement level 30 something year old player. You could yeah. say that about Philpla, Nielsen, Helm, Glendenning last year. They're all gone. Yeah. Every one of them. And like I said, I don't care who replaces them because by and large, outside of Rowney, everybody who's replacing them is uh, under the age of what, 27? Something like that. So great. Yeah. This. Actually, if you're talking about just those guys who are going to fill the spots, probably all under 25 at this point, truthfully, between Smith, Stevens, Rasmussen, maybe Valeno gets a look with injuries, et cetera, uh, Suter, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, th- this is – I understand the cap restraints 
the wings were under. And I understand why the wings rebuild has been longer than a traditional rebuild because of those cap restraints. But this is the lineup you want to see in a rebuild. Yeah. It's for the most part young. It's not expensive. You have a handful of players. You go, these guys could be something special, like, you know, your Verona, Larkin levels, Raymond, so on and so forth, Zadina. And then you have a, hey, these guys could be usable in a bottom six role when the Red Wings get good. And that's what Stevens, Valeno, Smith, Rasmussen, they're all here for. It's like, all right, this is your audition to play playoff games in three years. This is, you're either going to hack it or you're not. So the fact that we have the air of mystery around it honestly makes it more fun because now there's a future element to this, which has not really happened in this rebuild because the Red Wings for the last few years have been one of the oldest teams in the league, which again, I understand why that had to happen, but it still sucked. Um. Guess who, and there's two of them tied for the same age. Guess who are the two oldest Red Wings for, forwards? Forwards, Carter Rowney and Sam Gagne. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Carter Rowney and Sam Gagne, 32 years old each as of right now. I would be the oldest Red Wings forward, and I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be. Oh, geez. Let's you're, not, you're on the upper half. Yeah, let's not do that. Let's not play this game anymore. This isn't fun for me anymore. This was fun <laughs> for the first six years of the podcast for me, and now no longer. Um, okay, speaking of guys making the team, let's jump over to the prospect tournament. And we'll, we'll cover a lot of players here and a few things that have happened. But I think the name that's going to be spoken the most by everyone, the last game is happening literally as we speak. Uh, they're losing to Columbus at this moment. Um, Lucas Raymond. First game, goal off a two-on-one break where Berggren fed it to Raymond with a nice pass across and Raymond with a clinical finish. And the first thing everyone said was, oh, this is what we should get used to this. Like that, this is the connection we're going to see for some time. Uh, the Valeno, uh, Valeno, uh, Berggren, Raymond line eyes on every time they're on the ice. The second game, Raymond with two excellent shots from completely different points of the ice. One on the short side, right, like, practically parallel to the um the red line like the the end line i don't know why would i goal line. goal line why couldn't i think there of goal line go. there end line uh and the other one practically from the point both of them incredible releases wicked wristers and all i could think about was raymond said he wanted to wor- put on weight and build strength and work on his shot and holy shit has it come through yeah and it's important to know no player uh, outside a couple of the uh, OHL invitees um, have gone longer without playing a game than Lucas Raymond because his ended in February due to that wrist injury. Wrist or elbow? Elbow, ri- arm. Arm. <laughs> arm injury. Um, which relevant to his shot, right? Um, so it was good to see that he could hammer the puck. Um, he wasn't dominant in this in the, those games, but he was good. Uh, he was noticeably one of the best players on pure talent and uh it's worth noting that even though he wasn't and um the same probably goes for Berger and valeno too because they each put up some points the great players can be invisible for 55 minutes a game mm-hmm. and still end up pretty heavily on the score sheet because when you have that special talent to do special things you only need a moment to impact a game yeah i would like raymond to be a little more dominant 
than he was in those two games, but also seven months coming off an injury. Understandable. First time really playing on North American ice. Understandable. Stepping up in competition level from like, you know, the U18s, which would have been the last time he was on North American ice or World Juniors, whatever it might be. Understandable. And he walked away three goals in two games. And there was a couple other near misses that he had on uh, passes and, and shots. So uh, that's what we needed to see from him. And it was there. You give him the opportunity and he can do something with it. It's just like Bergeron. You give him that window, that passing lane, even if it's for only a split second, five times a game. He's going to find him and it's going to end poorly for the other team. The... The point you made at the start, which was this is his first meaningful hockey in a long time. It's really, really important to extrapolate from that and apply this to all the players. Like some of these players, Sebastian Kosa, this is the first time they've played against this level of competition. Some of these players, Jonathan Bergeron, this is the first time they've played meaningful hockey on this size ice. Some of these players, Lucas Raymond, this is the first time they've played meaningful hockey in closer to a year than not. Like there's so many different aspects to this. Um, and these are, there are a lot of really good, talented players. It's not just all scrubs on the other teams. Uh, Lucas Raymond and Jonathan Bergen both didn't play tonight. Uh, Raymond got fallen on, fallen is quote unquote, uh, last episode or last episode, last game against St. Louis. So they kept him out as a precaution, which makes sense because he now has to go to camp and challenge for a spot. And I didn't really hear a lot about Bergen, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same thing, you know, maybe something minor. Maybe just a precaution, or maybe they wanted to give more time to to other guys. Um, but yeah, it, if I had to see something like one thing from Raymond, if it wasn't going to be complete domination, it was the improvement of some facet of his game, which we want to see improved. We know the kind of playmaker he is, and we know what he can do up and down the ice. You add a finishing touch to that, and you're talking about a guy who is one of the most excited, or you know, um, uh, prominent rookies in the NHL, if and when he makes it. So, yeah, very happy seeing, even if it's just a few clips, Jonathan Bergeron didn't score the same way uh, Lucas Raymond did, like didn't do the same things on the ice. But what I saw from Jonathan Bergeron was flashes of really good puck control, uh, dishing out the puck, controlling the play. We saw that playmaker Jonathan Bergeron, especially opposite Raymond and, and alongside Valeno. Um, that to me was really promising it was really exciting to watch Jonathan Bergen I think it was the first game where he really really looked good he stood out while everyone was kind of getting up to speed again same as Raymond did he dominate the whole two games he played no it was on and off but still if you're going to extrapolate from a very small sample size and not official NHL hockey you like to see it yep and the Red Wings also got caved for the most part in both games, <laughs> um, which might be relevant to how much they dominated because this is a very watered down version of the Red Wings prospects pool. Most of their, a lot of their big name prospects were still in Europe. Uh, no Edvinson, no Johansson, et cetera. So I don't think Detroit was going to come in here and dominate anybody. Um, that Valeno, Bergen, Raymond line was probably the best line in the tournament whether or not they played as the best line eh, debatable but you could you could see it um and just as we were speaking here the last game of the tournament for the red wings against columbus they dropped uh 7-3 in a loss to columbus who had the third goal i know pasquale zero had the second 
I'm not entirely sure yet um, because most of the focus is very fairly um, on Jared McIsaac, who yeah. got hit pretty awkwardly into the boards. It looked like his head hit in just the worst way. He was actually completely unconscious, and it was a really, really scary sight watching that. Um, and thankfully, the Red Wings uh, put out an update that he was conscious and speaking and alert. Uh, he's off to the hospital to to get some checks, uh, scans and everything done. But he, uh, he is alert, has feeling in all of his extremities. So um, a massive relief. Just like that's the moment in, in hockey where you see that kind of thing and your heart just drops. Like everything just – so happy to know that uh, Jared's uh, awake and alert and and hopefully those scans come out come back uh, with really good news for him and recovery goes well and smoothly um before we talk about the defense Tuchayev, 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 Tuchayev. um especially early on man Sean Horkoff said to watch this kid he had a point he looked good he's talented he's skilled and he showed it off like he's small and not a great skater, but unbelievable hockey sense, great passing ability, and a great shot. If he can get a little quicker and a touch stronger, like he's very Taro Hirose esque with a little more compete in his game. From uh, Yekaterinburg, Russia, I mean, Datsuk fans will be familiar with that place. Um, he was drafted seventh overall in 2019, 190th. Seventh round. Yeah, seventh overall, seventh round in 2019. So that is the um, Hakan Anderson pick. So that's the project pick that he gets most years. Hey, is he likely to make it? No. But is he 5'9 and 145 still? I imagine he's put, he's put on some more weight, but it's not a physical advantage, right? But... Look, he looked good there. I have no problem with Red Wings watching Red Wings fans watching this kid as like a, a project pick. Like that is a true project pick. Oh yeah. Hey, hockey sense, you can always build out from there. You can teach a guy to skate faster, you can teach a guy to shoot harder. Uh, but you can't teach a guy to read the play. And and that is Tuchayev's biggest strength is finding those seams, finding the time, finding the window. So hey, anytime. Two years out, you can still be saying with the seventh round pick, hey, there's a chance you've already nailed that pick. <laughs> so here, here we go. Let's hope he has a big year in Grand Rapids. Um, any other notable Red Wings you want to talk about before, before we jump back to Lucas Raymond and his chances with the Red Wings? Oh, Sebastian Cosa. Ru- he's rusty. Yeah, he's yeah. rusty. The defense uh, didn't give him a lot to work with. Did he have a good game? No. Yeah, like he he did not. He's not going to walk away from this tournament feeling good about his performance. But um, it's one, it's goaltending. Two, he's very young. And three, this is an increase in his uh, competition level that he won't have seen um, in a long time or at all, depending on how he's been training. So um, are we going to sit here and say it was good? No. But is it anything to even like sound the smallest of alarms god no please don't do that the same way we can't you know write raymond or bergeron down for the calder ballot right now you cannot write kosa off after you know one showing like that it is what it is uh fun takeaway actually everyone was talking about kosa i can't remember the twitter user let me find the name apparently they were talking to kosa's dad um 
It was from Trevor M on Twitter. Uh, they were talking to Kosa's dad at the prospect tournament, and this corroborates some other things that we w- were hearing around the draft. And, you know, people could have taken this information away on their own, gleaned from how Ken Holland behaved. But uh, Ken Holland wanted Sebastian Kosa. And he was his pick, and it's not really a surprise. He plays in Edmonton. He's right there near the Oilers. And apparently, Ken Holland had no interest in Jesper Wallstead if Kosa was gone. And that, to me, is the interesting part. Is like, okay, you wanted Kosa that badly. He was going to be the answer to your your goaltending issues. Why was Wallstead not viable enough to take him there? I don't understand it at all. I don't. And this is coming from the GM who uh, took Tom McCollum in the first round. So now I am concerned. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i get it the familiarity and the seeing him up close yeah they liked kosa more probably for the same reason that the red wings draper and eisman liked kosa more than wallstead but um just seeing the confirmation that they were good they were planning on taking him and then knowing that they didn't pivot to wallstead is really funny i mean funny is, is how you could describe a lot of things that ken holland does right now but um right now for the last five years still huh huh uh, the defense and slash the rest of the team, Valeno, any big takeaways for you? I mean, him and Sabrango looked as advertised, which was good because they're both probably playing significant minutes in Grand Rapids this year. Not anything dynamic from either of them, but, you know, made the right passes, controlled the D zone while the rest of them let it go to hell. So, yeah, <laughs> it, that'll be important to watch how those prospects move up, especially this year in Grand Rapids. The Red Wings season this year is extremely important. The, this season in Grand Rapids is almost equally as important based on who's going to be there. Um, Berger and Valeno. Based on who's going to be there, it's more important. Yeah, Berger and Valeno Raymond are likely, in, in all likelihood, going to be there most of the time, depending on how the year shakes out. Let's talk about Lucas Raymond. So he showed some really hot flashes. He looked really good. In the games he played, if he comes into camp and, you know, in the entire preseason just lights it up, just performs phenomenally, what happens here for the Red Wings? Is there a world where you see Lucas Raymond forcing their hand? No. Not at all. Like I do, but low percentages. I know how this organization and this coach have operated for the last however many years. There, I don't remember the last time a prospect of significance, I'm not talking about like fourth liners, made the team when they uh, when they weren't expected to make the team. The only truly like young forward to make this team in a prominent role was Larkin. And we've seen it coming a mile away because he was coming off a dominant season in the NCAA. So do I think there's a reality where Lucas Raymond plays at the caliber where he forces his way into this team. Yeah. And I, but I still don't think that's a makes it all that likely that he makes the team. We talked about with the Carter Rowney signing, the Red Wings basically have their 14 forwards now. Yeah. Witkowski and Rowney should be expendable. Um, traditionally we've seen that not be the case with this coach. And again, it sounds like I'm just harping on Blash Hill, but past actions predict future events. So I'm, I'm basing it on that. Um, I think it's going to come down to injuries. If a couple guys go down in camp and Raymond's really in one, I could see it happening. I'd still say Valeno's more likely. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to say it's impossible. And I do think Raymond is very capable of it. 
I think it's a, a real long shot. Like I give it like sub 25%. Yeah, I think that's fair. And it's it's the boring answer. But in all honesty, I, I think that last point really hit it. Like, of course, the easy observation here is there are a lot of guys who are ready to play NHL hockey, where for a year where Detroit doesn't necessarily need to be the best team, uh, <clears throat> Shane Wright draft lottery, um, you can slot those guys in and get really good, meaningful development in Grand Rapids and your organization's all the better for it with Raymond. Um, but really what in my mind pushes Raymond out is I think Valeno is just, like you said, that one year, two years, however much more ready. And so if you're going to get someone, unless Valeno shits the bed in camp and Raymond just completely lights it up, I don't see him leapfrogging him, and I don't even see Valeno making it, really. I, I wouldn't put the, the money on that. So No, Valeno is not one of the 14 I had previously alluded to. So, I, I mean, I would like to see both of them, of course. Of course. But at the same time, hey, you know, Bergen's likely not going to make it at a camp this year. So, um, why not stick them both in Grand Rapids? There's not really a rush right now. Normally, I'm very against sending guys down. Um I feel like even though he was close to being ready, it hurt Zadina because Zadina is the type of player who plays better with good players. Mm -hmm. Um, And he got sent down to Grand Rapids. And with all due respect to guys like Dominic Turgeon and whatever AHL lifer he was on the line with, those aren't guys who will find seams that Zadina tries to create. Those are not guys that are going to be able to put it in Zadina's wheelhouse at the exact moment he's ready for it and looking for it and mapped it out in his head to be there. They're not the guys who are going to find the open space in the slot right at the moment Zadina is going to pass it. Guys like Larkin and Vrana and, and Fabry, they, they will accommodate, which is why we've seen very similar production from Zadina in the NHL as we did in the AHL, even though the competition went way up. For me, the same logic applies to Lucas Raymond and Jonathan Bergeron. And normally I'd be like, yeah, no, Lucas Raymond playing with like guys like Dominic Turgeon and, you know, who the hell ever, Riley Barber, I'd be very against. This year, I don't think it's that big of an issue because if that top line legitimately is Valeno and Bergeron and Raymond, okay. Yeah. Works for me. Yeah. That's perfectly fine with me. <laughs> I will say Pat Verbeek, Ben Simon, and the rest of the Grand Rapids Griffins uh, organization have a lot of weight on their shoulders. This isn't about, the, you know, the Griffins winning um, the Calder, was it Calder Championship? Calder Cup. Yeah. Calder Cup. Uh, I, I always have to work really hard not to say Calder Trophy. I mean, yeah, great. Like, obviously, Red Wings fans also want to see Grand Rapids succeed. And obviously, there's a big contingent of Red Wings fans and podcast listeners in Grand Rapids. And you're probably punching the air right now that I said that. And, and that's all well and good. If they win games, they they win the, the cup. Amazing. It needs to be good development for these guys. Like, I'm not saying they haven't done it in the past. But it this is imperative at this point that the Grand Rapids Griffins coaching staff and management with Pat Verbeek, who's obviously AGM under Steve Eisman for the Red Wings, that needs to be the primary focus. That needs to be a big leap for these guys. Next year, I'm like, it almost sounds fast, but next year, I want all three of those guys to be automatic unless they lose their spot in camp. How many, and it's not something a lot of Red Wings fans want to admit to or even maybe realize. How many success stories have there been in Grand Rapids since Nyquist and Tatar? I'd argue none. In fairness, they've not been given a lot. No, but guys like Zadina, Mantha, we expected a lot more from, and they went to Grand Rapids and didn't perform to where we thought. I think the best example we have 
of this went well was probably Bertuzzi. But Bertuzzi's so skilled, I almost feel like he was going to make it anyway. But hey, they developed him well. So credit where credit's due. I don't think Mantha or Zadina were bad. And like their their career No, but those, really- are, those are guys that I expected for the talent level they had and where they were drafted. They should have went to the HL and dominated. They should not have been half a point per game guys at any point in the AHL. And now, and to further to my point, they both came up to the NHL and looked better in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Which is a bit of a red flag, not for them, but for what's going on in Grand Rapids. Like, Svechnikov did not get great development down there. We were all kind of wondering what was going on. And, you know, Valeno did not put up the numbers and was really slow to get going, although that... Is probably just a Valeno thing. Uh, Chaloski. Yeah. So it's, which honestly, that might be a Chaloski thing. It could be a Chaloski thing. That's the problem with development. We we don't know. Is it the horse or the cart? Right. Like we have no idea. Yeah. But there's enough of a pattern here where there's at least a red flag up for me. I'm not saying this sucks. They suck at this. Everybody should be fired. I don't know. But we haven't had that. Oh yeah, this guy went there dominated, came up, and looked unstoppable. We have not had that in Grand Rapids in a really long time, even though there were several very good candidates for it. Well, there's going to be a lot of certainties pulled away now because, you know, with with Zadina or with, I mean, let, let's look at the more extreme cases with Chalosky. We just don't know. Is that the player or is that the organization's the development? With the three players and more who are coming that Grand Rapids has to work with, it is going to be very clear at what point in this process things are succeeding and hopefully not discussing this. But if we are at what point in the process, things are falling short or failing. So, yeah, yeah, because I'm like not to put unfair pressure on the kids, but if that top line is Valeno Raymond Bergren, I, that line should dominate. That should not be a passenger line in the HL. Not immediately. Right. Like. Not Valeno's not. coming in with a ton of experience at this level now. Bergeron just dominated a league that's arguably as good as the AHL, and Lucas Raymond's the most talented of the three. So smaller ice sheet, tougher competition. These are grown no, ass yeah, men. Yeah. NHL, almost mo- a lot of them NHL caliber players. Right? No, I I agree. There's going to be a learning curve, but again, Valeno's been there, done that. Bergeron, competition wise, been there, done that. Smaller ice, obviously going to be a factor. And Lucas Raymond on a pure talent level, in my opinion, is probably going to be the best player in the AHL this year. Now, obviously, there's going to be those like late 20s guys who've played in the AHL forever that always put up like a point and a half per game. Like, I'm not saying Raymond should walk in and lead the AHL in scoring, but on a pure talent level, he's probably the best player in that league. So again, yeah, if the first like few weeks don't go swimmingly, fine, everybody's adapting. But if we're still sitting here in December, January going, yeah, they're all right, that's concerning because by that point, they should be kicking the shit out of some teams. Well, um, let's not get too doom and gloom because I think what we've seen so far- My expectation is for them to dominate, so my hopes are very high. What we've seen so far is positive. (laughs) Like It's going to be fun. Again, what we said about uh, Raymond, probably the odds are stacked against him in a way where it's not going to be reflective of his performance really to make the team. And that's okay because I think there's still a chance where we see, like like you might have mentioned before, Brad, about Valeno coming in and having a great camp in previous uh, uh, 
previous preseason, but obviously didn't make the team right out of camp. Um, we could still see Lucas Raymond do the same thing. And if we do that, if we see that and he does it and he goes down to Grand Rapids, that's okay. Cause then that gives you a good foundation of hype and excitement. If the rebuild is a big, like a, 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 a long lead into a hairpin turn, I'm the formula one is leaking out here. The past five years have just been the first straight, like the first like shittiest part. And just now, I think we're getting into the the round part of it. We are legitimately turning the corner in this rebuild to the point where, like we were talking about, the rot is gone. The below replacement level players are for the most part gone, especially on offense. Um, the young kids are starting to stream in. We're starting to see output. We're starting to see performances. They've made it to North America. At least the first batch of them. Philip Zadina is in the lineup now. This is a really promising time to be a Red Wings fan. And on that note, jumping out to Sweden, um, when Edvinson was drafted, what is the one thing? The one thing we said, this is really the aspect of his game we have to focus on because it will make or break whether or not he's a fantastic Defenseman for the Red Wings or very underwhelming? Hockey IQ. Hockey IQ decision-making. How he translates his raw talent, which he has in spades onto the ice, from what has uh, been reported and went from what I've been able to see, he's been looking really good over in Sweden. He's He's been a lot more mature in his decision-making. He's been playing a ton of time as opposed to other Red Wings prospects, which we hope turns around soon. Uh, please give him more ice time. Thank you very much. Soderblom, Niederbach, etc. cetera. Um, but Edvinson is looking good. And <laughs> with Edvinson, the highlights you're usually going to see are, you know, he's very dynamic offensively. And we have seen that. But the highlight that stood out the most to me was the massive hip check he laid on someone at the blue line. And... <laughs> The the thought floating through my uh, my head was holy shit people are going to hate playing the Red Wings that is just going to be a miserable blue line to 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 stack up against I uh, f- found it I forgot to tweet it after one of uh, Edmonton's highlights but uh, I meant to post it because it's funny because it was kind of like same thing happened with Cider we're like okay well we're not like it's not the guy we would have picked at that spot but we're intrigued now and we'll see what we get and then after watching Satter's first few games in Grand Rapids we were heads were raised but that that meme of where a guy's just sitting in the chair and then you watch a couple games and then he's leaning forward oh the Vince McMahon meme yeah no yeah. no no the, the, but either way it's like okay I'm into it now I'll show you the one I'm talking about just because you can at least see it then yeah but uh that's where I'm at with Edvinson. It's uh, interest is peaked. Uh, yeah, yeah. The game, like when you're leaning, it's it's yeah. It's the meme when you're <laughs> leaning forward, I'm we're on a podcast describing memes. I hate ourselves. Yeah, uh, but when you lean forward when you're gaming, that means you're serious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as I was leaning back for Edvinson's first game, now coming into the games, we're we're leaned. Yeah, we're there. <laughs> we're there. We're focused. The big takeaway: be excited, Red Wings fans, and it's okay to be. For the first time, you're not crazy to be excited. Yeah, between Edvinson, Sider, Bergeron, Raymond, Valeno, thing, things are happening. The team's not old. The prospects are good. Like, we're not screwed if we don't get Shane Wright this year. We still probably need Shane Wright this year, but there, there's like a path out of this without a Shane Wright. So. Yeah. We were we just talked about, you know, Lucas Raymond having a phenomenal camp and forcing his way onto the team, if that could happen. We didn't even talk about Joe Valeno, who's – ostensibly more likely to do so or even Jonathan Berggren who is more of a dark horse even more so than Raymond but still could come out and have an incredible performance and we're we're not even alluding to the fact like we mentioned on the last episode 
Moritz Sider didn't play in the prospect tournament because he's all together yeah. a lock to make this team. He, he, You can write him into the opening night lineup in pen at this point. He is on people's outside shot, but don't look away from this player Calder trophy lists. Yeah. And they are not wrong for doing so. It's hard for defensemen to win rookie of the year in the NHL, but still the hottest prospect, not in the NHL. Oftentimes like that you're, you're, you're going to, you're going to be hard pressed to find a defenseman, a young defenseman who's more excited than citing than him coming to the NHL right now. There are lists out there who have ranked best players in the world, not currently playing in the NHL where most cider is number one on that list. And I don't think I've seen a list where he's lower than like, seven or eight so yeah okay what else is there meyer on the helmet ads i like it it's very michigan it works it's gonna also settle the meyer versus myers debate which i think at one point meyer was actually myers so that's why people say okay i was gonna say that has always confused me because you know i can read (laughs) so the fact if it's if it's breaking a habit that is understandable I uh, I know a lot of people who say it a lot of different ways, and I didn't really know about the history of the S being there until I looked it up. I think a couple of years ago, uh, but yeah, having Meyer on the helmet is it's. I think Michigan Michiganders will appreciate it, and just like the uh, previous one, which was the mortgage company, it's not too loud. It's just in white lettering. Fine by it. We're, we won't have the same thoughts whenever the inevitable jersey ad comes again. You're not going to like the orange logo. Whatever company buys that jersey ad and leaves it blank intentionally gets unlimited lifetime sponsorship or limited sponsorship as long as they do so on the Winged Wheel podcast. That is what we're putting forward because that is just as valuable <laughs> as an NHL jersey ad. That's worth $20 million. <laughs> Something like that. It's not $20 million. You said $20 million last time. I don't know how much it is. I'm just making numbers up. I think NBA is like five to seven. It's not worth it. Leave it blank. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, okay. Overtime? Sure. Overtime. Let's jump into uh, our Patreon portion of Overtime. Overtime on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, uh, who are amazing people, stand taller, have great posture, uh, are well-liked, and are on, uh, you know, the bypass all lines list at amusement parks. Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast if you want to help support the show and be an incredible person. Steve Ortlieb says, what's up, jerks? I'm just starting to get into hockey. What are some things all noobs should know? Thanks for helping my journey into the sport, and I'm excited to make my first trek to the LCA from the scourge that is Ohio for Dub Dub Night. Well, uh, Steven, thank you for seeing the light. Um, oh, man, what should all noobs know? It's the greatest game on earth. I, it's hard to say because we get into such intense detail in the show that I don't really know what where to start for a true newbie. Okay, so this is what my always go to. If we're talking about American sports and comparing hockey to them, baseball uh, and football specifically, to a lesser extent basketball, are very social events because there's so much time between play. Mm-hmm. It's a little slower paced. Cool things still happen. I still love both sports, but you've got a lot of time in between the play to talk with the buddy next to you. You don't have that in hockey. It is go, 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 go. And every couple of minutes you get a whistle where you can catch up, but it's only like 15 seconds before the puck drops and then it's go, go, go. So just make sure uh, you're paying attention. A lot, lot of stuff happens. <laughs> um, 
If you ever have a question, put it in these comments, and there's no question too dumb. We want to make as many hockey fans as we can. Uh, yeah. Matthew Lynch is wondering, is the physical game against St. Louis the biggest indicator of whether or not these guys will be ready to make the leap to the NHL? And that's a really good point, which I don't think we touched on enough. No, this is just kids trying to prove something. It's I wouldn't read too much into it. You You see that at every quote-unquote tryout or camp at every level of hockey ever is there's always a couple guys trying to prove something and they just run around and hit everything in sight i'm gonna go to the flip side and say to a degree there's some truth to that because the red wings aren't going to want to expose their young players who are still physically developing to an intense physical games to intense physical games wherein the other team knows that these are very skilled players who can be dangerous if left unchecked. And unchecked means like literally checked. They will hit them and they will hit them hard and they'll target them. And you see that across the NHL. So to some degree, like, is it a cause for panic? No. I mean, that's just normal at this stage of development and where these guys are at. But that'll be a reason cited if they don't make it. Um, okay. Next question here is from... Max one million who says with the rumor that Jim Nil had Edvinson ranked first in the draft, right? There was um, Dallas apparently had Edvinson first overall. Yeah, uh, and uh, the Red Wings apparently had Elias Pettersson first that one year. And how relevant that hasn't been ever since. Uh, Mackenzie having him third, and obviously, perhaps more importantly, Khan had him second. <laughs> hey, hey! At the midway point, Edmondson was the consensus second. Uh, is it possible we got the steal of the draft? Every year, you hear about GMs ranking certain players differently than others. What are some of your favorites? Which you just mentioned, Brad Pedersen first. Red Wings had PD at one, and uh, we know we know how that's worked out since. So hey, you know, good on the scouting team for being right there. But um, I don't, it's I hate that term steal of the draft because it's always maybe like. Yeah, there's going to be guys who weren't picked first that are going to pop off. And Edvinson is just as likely as the rest of them. So it's definitely possible. Wish I could give you a more concrete answer. But we did say when he was drafted, he's a boomer bust prospect where his ceiling is very, very high. But we're not sure how how high up that ladder he's going to climb. Um, but if he does get to the tippy top, yeah, there's a good chance he's one of the, if not the best player in this draft. But Way more often than not, players don't get to the tippy top of their potential. Um, let's move on here. Jonathan Melwich says uh, a couple of things. Uh, going back to the discussion about burger and fries, burger and fries, we just got Wendy's in the UK, and they now have the best fast food burgers uh, in the UK. But it's still McDonald's as the king of fries due to our quality of potatoes. I have had Wendy's burger, McDonald's fries. This is the right take. Everybody else is wrong. Also, do you think if held every few years a series between cup champs and champions hockey league champs, uh, would it be fun or would it be too one-sided? NHL be, versus European leagues? It'd be There'd be no motivation for the NHL to send. No. And, and let's be clear. You take the champion of the SHL and put them up against the current iteration of the Buffalo Sabres and the Sabres will kick the shit out of them. It's just that's how hockey works. Like... The guys in the NHL are a huge step above the guys in the league below them. And then those guys are another huge step above the league and the guys like the guys in the league below them. I don't think people realize how astonishingly good the worst player in the NHL is. 
Pantyotees.com says good day, Dud Duds. It's I, Global Ambassador for Pantyotees.com, reminding you to gear up for the season by visiting Pantyotees. Uh, look, I know that there's some prospect tournament going on, but the Alora Rocks have commenced doing the hockey. I think they should be able to beat the scissors, but may struggle versus paper. <laughs> we all hope Brad doesn't take this marvelous opportunity for granted. He's sediment a lot to him. <laughs> He asked me specifically if rock puns were allowed, and I said they were encouraged, so I loved that comment. Uh, okay, important prospect tournament stuff, player nicknames. Here's a handy guy. Lucas Raymond, forehand Luke, which is hysterical. Uh, a playoff cool backhand Luke, which is Glenn Denning's nickname. Kirill Chuchayev. 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 Uh, King Tut. Jonathan Bergeron. Johnny Bergeron. T-Bone Cod. Which we're giving him a nickname, so it's Turf and Surf. Uh, and the- Theodore Niederbach, love sick. Um, jersey time. How do you feel about the Wings using straight font on prospects in preseason jerseys? Do you even care? Um. Okay. I get it. I don't like it. It just looks off to me every time I see it. And also, too, when a lot of players get rookie cards down the line, if they're like on an angle where they're kind of looking over their shoulder and you see it, it just looks wrong on the card. Then it looks wrong in pictures. It looks wrong on camera. Again, I get it. It's the font they used on their helmet forever and back in the day and for a lot of official stuff. Trust me when I say I get it. I still don't like it. It looks weird. I like it because it to me, it signifies, yeah, they're playing with the winged wheel, but this isn't. The Red Wings. And it's important to remember that the curved, the arch lettering to me is like, uh, you've made it. Like that is your badge of honor. I like the distinguished separation between the two. I almost look at it in the exact opposite way you do. For a lot of kids, they know this is as far as they're ever going to get. Some of these free agent invites are never going to put on an NHL jersey again. So you want it to feel as authentic as possible, right? Like it, this is your the highlight of your career. This is your pinnacle. You are you got invited by the Red Wings to fill a spot while we play some games and then enjoy your career in the E or the AHL. Like make make it feel real for the guys at least even though it's not because like it's easy for us to say here and go, oh, nobody's going to give a shit that Lucas Raymond has funny font because he's going to play for the team for 20 years. Guy like Cooper Walker, this is this is as good as it's ever going to get for him, right? So, yeah. And my take is, buckle up, asshole. That's the real world. You came close, you didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, get Adam Lascaris back on the pod. Uh, he doesn't text me back, so I don't know. Actually, I don't know who texted each other last. If Adam, if you're listening, shut up. Give Blood Fight <laughs> Probert says, "Hey boys, uh, haven't been able to see games due to traveling, but I saw some sick snipes on the Winged Wheel Podcast Twitter feed. So thanks a ton for that." I'm amped about the kids in Grand Rapids this year. How did the goalies look in both games? We talked about that. <clears throat> also, who stood out to you? We talked about that. Thanks again for all you do from the deep South Texas. Go blue. Let's go Red Wings. Defend the den. Um, yeah, yeah. That's the gist of it. Kirill. Kirill the thrill. Egg roll boy. Five says Herd Meyer is going to be our helmet sponsor uh, for this year. And honestly, it could have been worse. But it got me thinking for the jersey ads. What if we all contribute and get the Red Wings Shoes Company to take up the spot in the jersey? <laughs> okay, first of all, they can pay for it themselves. Secondly, whoever it is. Secondly, I like, I, I mean, I like joking about that, but I am very much in favor of not having logos and instead having like word marks or letter marks 
instead of logos. I don't want any logos besides the Red Wings logo on the front of the jersey. If someone makes it funny or relevant, like it could be good advertising because I don't follow the Pittsburgh Penguins at all, but I did see many posts about uh, whatever company sponsored their home ad. It's it says pens. So it was like a pens company that sponsors. So it's like, hey, cool. That works. I saw the logo and the logo they used was like abhorrently large, but it ended up in my feed when otherwise it wouldn't have. So Jake Bloom says, who do you think will win the Big Ten this year? Um, my biased answer is We're Michigan. Talking hockey? Football. Oh. My biased answer is Michigan, and I will, I'll give you an unbiased answer if I'm forced to, and I'll say Penn State. I refuse to say. They already lost, didn't they? Penn State already lost? No. The the those oh. who we shall not speak of. Yes. Oh yeah, they already lost. Yeah. Yeah, it made me happy. Uh, Drake Moore says, uh, even though it's a small sample, what do you think the odds are that Raymond and Valeno make the team? Valeno make the team this year after seeing what they've done in the prospect tournament. Unless Luke Witkowski goes full Hulk on the team in practice, slim. I'll give the odds of one of them making it for opening night one and three, and I think that might be a bit generous. Both of them making it like less than 10%. Oh, I give both like 5% short of like it's it's catastrophic run of injuries is the only way it happens. Uh, Kyle Kragitz says, I have a rant about white jerseys. If you're a team that has white as a primary color, they're acceptable like Detroit, Toronto, Tampa, etc. If white's not a primary team color, you don't get a white jersey like Vegas, Calgary, Chicago, New Jersey, and so on. If you're confused, you look at the home jersey. If white is just an accent color, it's not a primary color. Also, why do you need to wear white when your team colors don't clash? Detroit versus Tampa, Detroit versus Dallas. Enough with white jerseys. 99% of them are the most boring, unimaginative jerseys on the planet. I hate them all. Go Wings. I actually have a practical answer for this. Uh, So this became an issue a bunch of years ago in the NFL when the Buffalo Bills played the New York Jets in a color rush game. So the Bills were wearing their red color rush and the Jets were wearing their green color rush, head to toe, red versus green, which for 99% of the population is completely fine. We had no problems watching it. But for those who were watching the game who were colorblind, they could not tell the difference. They could not figure it out. So now there's this whole policy with professional sports, like it's got to be light versus dark or whatever, however they worked out the color spectrum to make it make sense for those who are colorblind. So we can't see stuff like that too often because there's way more colorblind people in the world than you would think. And a lot of them were very pissed off that game. I saw a simulation of what they saw in the game and I went, oh, that's not good. No, that was horrifying. I think there's probably players who are colorblind, so that could be a safety risk. Uh, Arjun Shankar says, yay hockey, which uh, we second. Ghost of Podcast passes. What's your favorite book series? No standalone books. Boy, if those kids would read, they'd sure be mad. Uh, I am just the classic, like I read Harry Potter and I read Lord of the Rings and I love both those series. I'd say Game of Thrones or the um, A Song of Ice and Fire if you ever finished them. God damn it. I think the only book series I've ever read uh, that had more than uh, where I read more than three editions was when I was a kid and it was the Goosebumps books. So I'm, I'm going with that. <laughs> Those count. Because every book, every book I've read it as an adult has been like some nonfiction, like one off. Like I don't really read series. I don't have time to dedicate to like six books. I'm sorry. Uh, also, have you seen the trailer for Amazon's Wheel of Time? No, and I know I'm going to watch it, but I've wanted to read the books before, but 
something about going to school. You just lose all your casual reading energy. Anyways, uh, Colorado 14ers says, since we have to have corporate sponsorship on hockey gear, uh, we should at least have fun with it. For example, they should have, ha- they should have Myers on helmets as both an advertisement and a tribute to people of Detroit who uh, have to add a possessive S to every company, whether it uh, has one or not. Example, my mom works at Ford's. Man, I uh, man, I miss the blue light specials at Kmart's, etc. There has to be a coping mechanism with this corporate governance of the NHL, and if it involves a little trolling, I'm all for it. Incidentally, what did Mussolini call the merger of governance and corporate power again? I forget. Um, Bill Nye the Thigh Guy says, Greetings from the Maldives. Okay, Bill. Greetings from the Maldives, Dub Dub Boys. The honeymoon is almost done here, and it's been a blast. Cool flex, but okay. Uh, I feel out of place getting my poor... Uh, Getting my poor everywhere, and this is <laughs> this place is up to Evan's standards. They don't even let you pour your own water. Anyways, what did you make of the F1 race last weekend? Glad to see Ricardo back on pole and Botas driving really well. The guy who won the race is who is the most liked player in the NHL, Brad? On not a good team. On not a good team? Yeah. Mark Andre Fleury. Um Okay. It's different. Like, McLaren's a good team, but they're not competing for race wins. This guy's the most beloved, easily the most popular driver in F1, and he he was having a shit season on a new team where he should have been doing well, and he won the race, and everyone's over the moon. Like, oh. Yeah. Uh, Phil Gastineau says, on the broadcast, it was mentioned that Edmondson was Dallas's number one, kind of like how they thought Heiskanen and McCarr were one and two. He has been insane in the limited number of showings in Forlunda so far. How has your opinion changed on him recently? Changed? None. Lean forward. Yeah, it's lean forward. Changed none. It's we're still observing the same thing and we are the the early results are pleasing. But it's important not to get too far ahead of ourselves to not jinx it. Large the prophet of the towering behemoth says, uh, I'm sitting here nursing a cold uh only a real man can understand. Um Looking at prospects for next year's draft. Besides the already much talked about prospects, I wanted to add the name Noah Ostland to the mix. Add him to your memory banks and watch him shoot up the rankings much like fellow Girogarden player William Eklund did. Elmer scored on a pass from Edmondson, and it was all because of Niederbach. Reed, uh, have to love that. The Elmer and Theodore chemistry is real. They're fun to watch at the limited time they get. The beauty and the beast of the Red Wings East. And Lucas Raymond, he couldn't shoot, right? Uh, have you heard of Ostland? Nope. I. Uh, who was the underrated uh, Euro that was all over my feed this weekend uh, that everybody I know told me to watch? I might have the first name wrong. Joachim Kemmel. Hmm. That's kind of my, uh, okay, guys are on to this guy. Pay attention. Okay. Um, Clint Banesh, happy birthday. Sam W. says, did you get a chance to see Raymond's post-game interview after playing Dallas? His answers were thoughtful, and I just thought he seemed smart and mature. Does his ability to process so quickly translate to thriving on smaller ice? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. A thousand percent. Yes. Smaller ice means defenders get less leeway to defend against you. They have to make quicker decisions, quicker physical decisions, uh, and you are on the advantage with smaller ice. So, yeah, it has its drawbacks. Space gets closed up quicker. You have to release quicker. You have to make decisions quicker. You get hit harder, but you can expose players easier. Uh, C-Nods says, we're into the prospect tournament, really enjoying seeing uh, the surprises. Um, which player has drastically changed your opinion of which league they might end up in, whether that's the AHL, back to Europe, or may earn a signing after this in camp? 
Chuchayev? Chuchayev. He was already signing Grand Rapids. No, but it made me feel better about keeping an eye on him possibly for the future. Yeah, honestly, I didn't come out of this with any grand. Oh, this guy's definitely got to jump up a league or anything like that. Um, Snorting maple syrup. Jeez, Brendan. (laughs) Hey, guys, I made another whack investment, and I want your opinion. I invested into her. What is what is this crypto? I do not. I feel like Brad. I honestly feel like Brad more and more these days. The meme crypto coins that are just like you know lewd names. Oh, are just hysterical. Like it's not anything I'm afraid to say, but I'm just like it's just weird for the sake of being weird. Anyways, uh, serious for a moment. I've been having a really bad depression, and so I'm thankful for you all to make me laugh, uh, Brendan happy to hear that we can offer some uh, alleviation and and allow you a moment to laugh and just remember uh, genuinely this entire Red Wings and Winged Wheel podcast community is here uh, to offer support, chat, make you laugh. I know the Discord's good for that so um, hope that turns around for you soon buddy and um, yeah always look forward to your comments even if I it really does trigger my <laughs> uh, actively read ahead and filter out the Whatever it is. Vax waxed and blocked by Jay Fresh on Twitter. Oh, hey. (laughs) Hey, fellas. In response to the white jersey rant, yes, it drives me nuts. I'd much rather switch home and road jerseys so that home crowds see a variety of colors. Also, what the ever-loving F is up with the physicality in the prospects tourney? Blues dressed a bunch of goons last night and now they hit on McIsaac. What the fuck? Brought to you by Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, the official cheese bags of podcast appearances for hire. I've always charged $50 to $100 per podcast appearance as I spend at least an hour prepping, followed by 25 to 30 minute discussion. So there's a drive into deep left field by Castellanos and that's a home run. So that'll make it a four-nothing ball game. <laughs> I honestly wasn't expecting that meme. And Joseph, I need you to know how happy that made me. Liz B says, is there an age cutoff for not being able to participate in the prospect tourney? After a certain age, they can't be uh, considered a prospect anymore. Or is it based on some criteria of how many pro games they've played? I want to say it's probably lines up with Calder eligibility. That probably seems like the easiest line to follow. Alex Nelkovich in the prospect tourney. Mm, yeah, I Cal- guess he could. Yeah, I guess he could. Um I wouldn't be surprised if they're not really too concerned with it. It's just kind of like a good faith thing. Not good faith, but like, hey, don't. You're going to send prospects. You're going to send guys who haven't actually made your team. Don't send full-time NHLers. I bet that's it. Um, all right. Next question here is from Stevie Langerman. Says, just finished a much-needed three-week vacation. We road trip around the Northwest, went to Jackson Hole. So now I have proof it exists for you, Evan. Well, Evan's not here, and I don't believe you. Uh, and then back home to Michigan where I golfed seven of nine days, pure bliss. Question for the week. I live in Seattle and just bought my inaugural season Kraken jersey. They sell them blank and then you can customize them to add whatever. Uh, which player from the team should I get as my first team jersey? Thanks for all the awesome content. From Seattle. Probably one of the guys they just signed long term so you get a little more stability out of it. Um, you know, a Grubauer, a Schwartz. Uh, I think Gord's got some term left. They're pretty good. Gord might be good. Gord might be your guy there. And I can see, like, Gord by no means was hidden on Tampa Bay, but I think he could possibly really pop off in Seattle. Speaking of which, you want to see uh, my beer league jerseys this year? Yeah. Okay. That jersey? Yeah. That logo. You guys have the Pigeons jersey? Yeah. That we're get- they're getting made, but yeah. Which, by the way, shout out to Jordan Palmer on Twitter for helping up design up the logo. 
did you guys write rain city bitch pigeons or is it just pigeons we we asked the convener if we could do bitch pigeons with like a couple stars stars in it and he said no so we're just the pigeons wow you know what your convener is a bitch pigeon yeah a thousand percent you know what we're gonna be this year bitch pigeons <laughs> carter mazer stand club says is igor chinakov nasty yeah i mean he's uh he has been ever since he's been drafted right he's not exactly disappointed yeah i would say he's made a lot of people look stupid but again i think there's a separation between being completely wrong about a prospect and not hearing about a guy and thinking you can get him around later yeah both can be or you know he can still be a good prospect and people think that all right time for some reddit questions here um little knee says please let ha- brad have at least 10 minutes to rant about any subject god no no what's wrong with you all people right, no I, hey i no. will set the timer absolutely not um hz40 says what is your guess for a surprise pot prospect or player to make the opening night roster chase pearson because it's never fun okay Chase Pearson is not like fun, like Lucas Raymond, Joe Valeno fun, but Chase Pearson like out battling like uh, yeah, S- Sam Gagne. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm up. gonna give you a name, and uh, I'm just throwing this name Carter out. Rowney. Like- no, I'm just throwing this name out there for no particular reason, no comparisons, not no reason. Uh, one, you remember Christopher N? Because <laughs> he was that guy one year. Anyways. Uh, you like you like to root for the underdogs. I like Chase Pearson, and I liked Christopher N. I really wish he would have done more. He didn't. I'm skeptical now of every guy who's billed as a fourth line grinder. I'm sorry. Joe Valeno is the real answer to that, and that's the one where I think we can not look crazy by saying it, but it's not exactly north of fifty percent probability. Unfortunately. Um, I do think you, you will see Valeno up this year and you'll see Raymond up this year and you might even see Bergeron up this year for, for a few games. Um, but in terms of who makes the team, yeah, hard to say. Um, okay. We actually have one more comment. It just came in. It's from Kakaroto 007 who says without Jack Eichel, the Sabres can't reach the salary floor. I'm wondering if that's why they're acting cryptic about trading him. Any thoughts? They got bigger problems than the cap floor right now. Yeah, they can find, they can sign whatever slappy they want to get there. They're not worried about that. Take a bad contract for some compensation. It is what it is. Yeah, teams are never that concerned about getting to the cap floor. And uh, yeah, cap floor implications don't even come into the realm of thought for the other things they have going on right now. Let's also not forget they do not have Darlene signed yet. All right, uh, time to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We'll be with you midweek for a bonus episode for Patreon supporters. And we'll hit you next week with an update on everything that's happened in the hockey and Red Wings world. As this offseason continues, um, again, next Sunday is our next main episode. We're going to thank all of our listeners, our name-level sponsors, right the event. Guys, event tickets uh, in the description of this episode and on wingwheelpodcast.com slash blog. Uh, those tickets have gone fast. Literally hundreds of you have bought tickets. We have released more. So uh, go get those uh, soon. There is an upper limit to how many we can sell. So uh, the sooner you get them, the better. I'd like to thank all of our name level sponsors on Patreon, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver, Crying Ryan, Hannah's Banana Slam, and Jamathong, Taylor Tagel, Brandon M., Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Greach, Hanalee, 
Hassam Al-Kassem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, James E., Jeremiah Dobo, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Snorton Maple Syrup, Stacey Lynn, Stobe Iserplan, Joe Santangelo, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam I Wish I Could Finish Like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, currently out of name ideas, Dave W., Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, uh, what is the next name we have here? <laughs> Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Max One Million, Revy DeLuca, uh, Sorry, I just realized it's been 1,941 days since the passing of Harambe, and these anniversaries always make me feel a bit <laughs> for Clint. <laughs> Trevor Pebavar, Vaxed, Waxed, and Blocked by Jay Fresh. Zach Handyside, Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you, weirdos, so much. We'll see you next week or midweek if you're a patron. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.